Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. episode 255 of The Sausage Factory. Thank you for listening and welcome. In this episode I talk to Catalin Zimmerzgrinu of Breadcrumbs Interactive about the action-adventure game Yaga. But before we delve into that let's have a chat, a little chat, about what else is under Kainerince's vast umbrella which I talk about every week if you're a regular listener which I talk about a lot. Anyway, Kane Rinse Mondays. This week is The Evil Within 2, according to the spreadsheet of all spreadsheets. Then it's Sound of Play on Wednesdays, where they celebrate the scores of video games. Most entertaining and very relaxing. Then on Thursdays we have Playwright. Two people called Ryan making games, or inventing games, based on the ideas sent to them by their listeners. It is most excellent to have a listen. And on Friday, of course, it's the Sausage Factory. But you already knew that because you listened to me now. So thanks, again. If you want to know more about all those podcasts, including this one, and get all the archives of them as well, you can by popping along to caneandrince.com. Yes, I know, there's a website for Cane and Rinse. On this website, not only is there the archives of the previous shows, but also a lively forum. Yes, I know, a lively forum. And features. Reviews, previews, commentaries, editorials, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, do yourself a favour and pop along to there. Now, we also have a Twitch stream. We have um, many shows on the Twitch channel. If you can find it, which you can, if you go to twitch.tv forward slash Rinse, and then you can find and follow us there. And there's actually three shows currently running. There's MK Homebase. At 8pm GMT on a Friday, Uh, he um, basically plays a variety of games. He's been doing Resident Evil, Donkey Kong Jr., Donkey Kong games, all sorts of stuff. Oh, Castlevania as well. He completed Castlevania the other week. It's great. Very entertaining. Then uh, on Sunday mornings, there's Darren Gargett, although this week I believe he's on Saturday morning. Um, for reasons, but yes, over the weekend, in the morning, typically Darren will be streaming something. At the moment, he's going through the Sonic games. Don't know why, he's just decided to do it. Good luck to him, I say. Then on Sunday evenings, there's me, 8pm 
GMT. I stream various games on various platforms. And um, this week is going to be The Messenger on Windows PC. Because that was released recently for free on Epic Game Store. So I thought, ooh, this is a good game on the Switch. Rather than me lug my Switch and play on that, I thought I'd play the PC version because, you know, it's the same game. So there you go. Twitch. Follow. That'll be great. If you want to chuck us some money, you can because we've got a Patreon. That's right. If you go to patreon.com forward slash cane and rinse, or one word, of course, then you can actually throw us one US dollar a month, a minimum charge. Uh, I say charge. It's not really a charge, really. It's a thing that you can throw at us for gratitude for all the output we produce for you on a weekly basis. As you can hear, there's a lot of it. So, you know, it doesn't come free, I'm afraid. Well, the actual, you know, we've got to keep the, the, the engines running and the, what have you. And uh, that costs money, unfortunately, all the servers and stuff. And so we kind of reach out and go, Could you, would you be so kind? You know, would you kindly? There's a, there's a reference. And yeah, one US dollar a month, not only does it get you our gratitude, but also extra content. You get uh, the monthly podcast that Jay and Leon, the founders of Cane and Rinse, produce. Then there's the platform specials. Uh, at the moment, the one that's behind a paywall is the Dreamcast one. And following that, there's actually a new one on the way. I can't reveal what it is quite yet, but I'm on it. Let's just say that. There you go. And that will be recorded towards the end of the year. Exciting times. And uh, you also get Cane and Rinse one week early. And also the extended editions. So normally they're reduced to two hours, but if you are Patreon, you get the full, full, full whack. So yeah, all those incentives, just for one US dollar a month. Come on, don't ask much. But enough about that, let's move on to me from the past, chatting to Catalin about Yaga. Chris, would you be so kind? Thank you. Catalin! Yeah? Who are you, sir, and what do you do? Uh, I am Katalin Zimazegranu. I'm uh, the game designer and writer and uh, part-time programmer for Yaga. Right. That, that, that's, that's a lot of hats. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're a small team, so each of us has lots of different hats. And uh, yeah, that's me. Writer and, and programmer. That's, that's not often I hear that. But uh, yeah, because they're two very different skill sets. But uh, nice. Okay, um, so how did you make a start making video games? Uh, so I've, I've always had a technical background, so ever since my childhood I've loved playing games, and as soon as I knew uh, that uh, programming is what you do to make games, I was interested in that, and uh, I started uh, doing that uh, at school, and then it became a hobby, and I kept doing all the time with the uh, goal in mind of making video games. So, uh, pretty much, uh, I think that my first or second side project uh, outside of what we did at school was trying to uh, make video games with uh, code. So, um, tying into the earlier question about being uh, both a coder and a writer, yeah. uh, the writing part came um, came later because I, I really love storytelling and um, 
like we we played a lot of pen and paper role playing games. I always was the game master, so that was kind of a, a second hobby for me. So I managed to finally get to do this together uh, with this game. Okay, so do you remember your first game? Like you know, your first sort of stumbling, sort of like oh, I can make this move across the screen, things <laughs> like that. What, what do you remember much of that? What was it on? Was it on a PC or something? Or? Uh, PC definitely. Yeah. Uh, it was like very uh, early in my in my game development experience, and it was uh, actually a re-implementation of a board game, which, uh, funnily enough, was also inspired by uh, Romanian history, uh, because it it's it was a board game uh, designed during the communist era, which dealt with uh, Dacians fighting um, Roman the Roman Empire. So um, I tried to make a digital version of that, and it was pretty fun seeing how how you take the rules of a board game and try to do it in in game. Uh, of course, no one except me played the game. It was it had local multiplayer because it was turn based. But uh, yeah, that was my first step. Hmm. Uh, it's quite interesting now. There's a lot of digital versions of board games. Um, so that's quite interesting that that's now gone full circle almost, is that uh, games like Agricola, Through the Ages, Eclipse, let's see what else, um, loads of other. Oh, yeah, Terra Mystica. Um, yeah. These, these are all games that have now found themselves, started off in, in analog land and found themselves in digital place. What, what do you make of those? Have you tried any of those? Uh, not any of those exactly, but uh, we, me and a group of friends uh, had a lot of time playing board games and uh, moving them to the digital space is uh, interesting because you get to get rid of all the complicated mechanics and math and just focus on your strategy and uh, the when you lose the social interaction mm. uh, unless you play with online so it's you have you have pros and cons but yeah um, i mean yeah. i've never ever used them to optimize my strategies for the games that i play on you know in their original form i found that they're immensely useful because you can make a terrible error or not as the case may be and then use that to use that learning curve oh yeah that, that mechanic works if i can try that in real life let's see what happens with how it works with humans nine times out of ten it doesn't but <laughs> there's that one time out of ten that i can actually get something but uh yeah it, it helps with you're right it helps with the maths and things but uh human interaction is a whole kettle of fish <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's the key ingredient of board games for me so yeah. it's it's a bit sad to lose that yeah, but like I said, if you play it online, it gets rid of that a little bit, but not nearly as much as uh, as one would like. So, okay, so we've got a good sort of history there. I mean, also I can relate to the, uh, the, the role-playing stuff because I play a lot of role-playing games myself as well. And, yes, I'm also a GM. I know, I know your pain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is it about players and them focusing on an NPC that doesn't matter? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> that's, that's really we, we had lots of uh, good times, and it's uh, it's really fun uh, trying to manage different types of players. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah we, I've had players who were just uh, hell bent on min maxing every rule and everything, <laughs> but also players who were so involved in the game that they just tried lots of crazy ideas, yeah. and I had to to be on the spot to adapt to them. And uh, I, I think that's one of the 
the things I love most about um, pen and paper role playing yeah. games. Yeah, and I can definitely see that uh, eking into Yaga because my next question flows on from that, uh, and it's all give you probably I already know the answer to this one. I think based on the conversation we've so far had, um, which is as a studio, which is Breadcrumbs Interactive, as creators of things, which you are. What do you think your biggest influences are? Uh, that's an interesting question. So, um, as a as a studio for the whole team, our biggest influences are um, role playing games, both uh, digital and analog, because we all of us like stories, all of us like uh, video games and all sorts of games. So, just the experience of creating uh, games with story in them. Yeah, and uh, that influence comes from, uh, like, we all loved uh, games like uh, Bastion, like Baldur's Gate, like uh, Dragon Age. So, basically, digital uh, role-playing games were a big influence on us. And on the art side, uh, we love comics, we love uh, movies, we love digital art. So, it's, it's lots of sources that we get our inspiration from. You know, you mentioned Baldur's Gate there, and I cannot... It's this testament to its strengths that that game is over 20 years old now and yet they still keep on releasing it. The other day, I saw a box copy of it for the Switch. I'm like, why? <laughs> it's just like, I get it, I get it, it's a great game. But now, like, no, I shouldn't say why, but it's, it is, like I said, I'm just contradicting myself, but it's a testament to and that character-driven story driven as well RPGs are are extraordinary and uh, Yaga definitely joins the, the the pantheon of some really good ones out there I'm not saying that because you know, so I genuinely mean that it's uh, it draws a lot of you can tell you can see the inspiration from it's it's people you know it's it's you, plot is every, plot is interesting and important of course but it's characters damn it <laughs> it's, it's people were drawn to people and that's why role-playing games are, for me are so much fun because you can make it an incredible and imaginative world but if the characters within it are bland and two-dimensional or just a video you know, it's not not engaging then it just falls flat and falls over and uh you definitely demonstrated that you understand that do you do you do you, do you concur uh yeah first uh, first of all uh thank you for those kind words i i'm not sure i can put yaga in the same boat with uh <laughs> with our inspirations but yeah. um yeah characters are definitely uh something that we were uh, really careful about uh all of our characters are either inspired by um let's say peoples or story of people we knew about in real life from our childhood or from from uh, the village of our grandparents or from uh, stories we we read or researched so and for each character we try to make them um, make them relatable and uh, have something uh, about them that's not simple so the character not just there to give you quests they should have a backstory that should have something that draws you to them and wants you to explore more about them yeah, you've got to get stuff done. I mean, the grave digger needs a new shovel. Just you know, yeah. got stuff yeah. to do. You know, it's what he, you know, the poor zombie, the, you know, wants to have his like, you know his lid for his grave back. That'll be great. 
You know, he's like he's got stuff. He's got he's he's got some being dead to do. You know, yeah. I, that, that was that was quite funny actually. The, normally a zombie would want to eat your brain. He just wants to lie down. Wants to rest in peace. Wants to rest in peace. So yeah, damn kids exactly. Um, well, I haven't spoiled anyone, anything, anyone. Um, you see that within the first five minutes of the game, so trust me. But we have, I'm very comfortable with content. Regular listeners will know. Um, but when it comes to, we can't help but touch on content. But thankfully, so much is packed in within the first five minutes of Yaga. We're, we're golden. We're fine. Uh, <laughs> so um, anyway, so next question. Next question, because uh, yeah, we do do we have to press on. Is um, and this one is a bit tough. I found a lot of developers stumble over this one. Um, so uh, give it some thought. What developer do you most admire in the industry, and why? Um, well, if you give me more time to think about it, it's going to become more difficult to answer. <laughs> <laughs> so the sooner I answer, the easier it is. Yeah, we bear all we bear hours. I mean, normally the show's only an hour long. So <laughs> yeah. So um, the the biggest influences that uh, drew me to games were uh, actually Bioware and um, Obsidian. Mm-hmm. But uh, the developers I admire most are uh, Super Giant Games. And uh, my answer is going to be focused on them because uh, I first encountered them with uh, Bastion and then played uh, Transistor and then uh, Hades and uh, I think I played every single game they did. And uh, but the the high points for me were Bastion and Transistor and it 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 was really impressive how uh, well knit group of I think uh, for Bastion there were seven people uh, can do such a focused game with such a rich narrative and such attention to detail and that's basically what uh, what I admire most about them because they keep working together in, the, in that formula they don't feel the need at least from what I see they don't feel the need to get bigger and bigger they just want to do uh, more quality content uh, with the formula that they found and uh, I, I really appreciate that and it's something I strive also to do with my, my colleagues yeah, they're kind of like a band. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, they've got their 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 sound. They've got this is their sound or their their out. It's their style. Their their. This is what we do. We do awesome action adventures, um, um with amazing narrative and graphical styles, and uh, that's what we do. And I went to uh, PAX West this year. Just gone. Went to a talk they gave. I deliberately tore myself away from the expo hall. Walked right across Seattle because the venue was, was it was a bit always. It was about five minute, well, ten minute walk away from the expo hall. But I got out there into the sunshine, sat down and listened to an amazing, an amazing story by Super Giant Games. And you're right, they make some amazing stuff. We've had them on the show. Um, they were talking about uh, Transistor all those years cool. ago. I need try- to check that out. Yeah, we're trying to get them back on to talk about Hades. That game's amazing as well. Um, didn't get on for Pyre because reasons busy that kind of thing. But we're trying to trying to sort something out in the new year for Hades when it comes out proper. Cause it's in early access at the moment. So, but good good choice. I think Bastion was a triumph, and it was the start of something quite special. And uh, people really now figured out 
pie because when I saw it, I thought, oh, they've, they've made a rugby game. <laughs> 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 and I, I, I said this to, 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 to them, and I said, yeah, it's, it's, you're British, you get it, it's a rugby game. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. It's very strange. Yeah, yeah it was. I mean, you know, us Europeans know it's. Oh yeah, it's a rugby game. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's still one of my favourites. I, I uh, it's uh, yeah, good, good choice, good choice, and it, it's a wonderful thing to lean on them to look to them for inspiration. So yeah, that's yeah. that's the, that's a way to be because I know very very few developers who ever, who do that. A lot of them. They'll make one game, then they'll make another one. It's nothing like the one they've done previously. And you go, well, okay, but I get that. You want to do something new and fresh, but they want to imprint your your style to something. And there's very few developers I can think of that actually do that. You know, and uh, but yeah, they're one of them. So uh, and of course yourselves yeah. now with with Yaga. I'm sure there's going to be a similar kind of ethos. Whatever next you've got cooking up, which I know you can't reveal, I get that, but I'm sure there's something else down the pipeline. So, last question then. And uh, uh, regular listeners will know that I say this, but uh, we're kind of legally obliged to ask this question because it's a podcast about video games. So therefore, I have to ask, what are you playing right now? Uh, right now, I'm playing Yaga. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got a little uh, brackets thing here, other than the game you're working on. <laughs> right. Uh, so, uh, at this moment, I'm uh, playing the two later Zelda games, Breath of the Wild and Link's Awakening. Okay. I've been playing Breath of the Wild for more than a year now, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, I still find stuff to do in it. It's the game that keeps on giving. Yeah, yeah, it's really well made and I, I love it. And yeah. uh, I'm also, as I said, playing Link's, Link's Awakening. I didn't get the chance to play it when it was first released, so it's uh, really nice discovering it now. How are you finding it? Do you find some of the design aspects of it a little bit dated or are you just forgiving of it? Um, I... It's not. Uh, I'm really forgiving of it, so I, I try to take in and enjoy as much of it, and try to uh, get to understand the mechanics and the intentions behind them. So it's more playing it uh, for both pleasure and study, to say, at the same time. Uh, so uh, I I don't think there's anything that I can uh, critique uh, harshly or uh, anything that I wouldn't like about it. No, I'm just it's a, it's a thing. Um it's quite an old game. They've re, you know, they've rebranded it and re you know, given it a massive refresh from the original um Game Boy version of it. But of course, but even still, um there's some aspects of it that I know people go yeah, people don't do that anymore. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah, sure, but uh, you you go into it knowing that it's a remake so you don't yeah. expect it to be uh a fully modern game you know that it no. has its roots in the past so you you just play it with that mindset i mean for me you know uh, i've always found the game boy an excellent excellent platform for the zelda because one of my favorite zelda games is the minish cap which is on a game boy advance um yeah it's an amazing game that was brilliant way ahead of its time because it was in the early 2000s and uh, you Little Link, he would actually reduce in size and go into a miniature world. It's amazing. Um, yeah, awesome game. Uh, and all on the Game Boy Advance. Um, but, 
Yeah, yeah, good, good stuff. Oh, so you obviously a fan of the Switch then? I can, I can, I can understand. Yeah, so, yeah. At the moment, it it allows me most uh, most opportunities for playing games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I do it, plan on playing uh, Control, which just came out last yes, month. It did. Yes. So yeah, I'm. I can't wait to play that. I've always loved uh, games made by Remedy. So yeah, as soon as I we get done with patches for Yaga, I'm going to get some time to delve into that. Good stuff. I mean, for me, every year I have this Christmas game. Uh, I try to find out what the game I'm going to play over the holiday period, as they say. And at the moment, it's looking like Outer Worlds, probably. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a bad choice. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll go with that. <laughs> but uh, I, I might do Outer Worlds at the same time, just to mess with my brain. Uh, but that's a, I know it's a very different game. I know it's all right. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, any, anything else before we move on to the second half? Do you know, any other games you plan to play? You already mentioned Control. Anything else? Um, not at this moment. I'm oh, okay. just Yeah. <laughs> no, sometimes we do have guests who oh, they start listing off all sorts of stuff, which is lovely to chat about because the best game makers are those who play them as well. I know you know that too, but that's yeah. the real reason I asked that question because it knows that. You know, you have a palette, you have a broad palette, and you like to play all sorts of things, not just the, you know, you're not just churning out code for what you're doing and then doing something else. Um, you still enjoy the medium itself, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, and you do have a lot to learn from every game you play, so it, it's a shame not to play them. Indeed, indeed. Right, well, let's end the first half. Well done, you made it. All right. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we're now going to delve into the second half where we see what Yaga is all about. Zeroth question, as regular listeners will know, that this is the thing we, we have to set up before we actually carry on going into depth, because I want you to tell me, in your own words, what you think Yaga actually is. Right, uh, so I basically this is 
at this moment hardwired into my my brain. I've been saying it so many times. Oh no! Uh, no. But you, you um, can do this. I believe in you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Yaga, it's an action RPG which is inspired by Slavic folklore, where your choices define how your character progresses and uh, where the story goes. You play the role of uh, Ivan, who is a one-handed blacksmith, followed by bad luck, and you're caught between a Tsar who wants you out of his kingdom, preferably dead, and a witch who has her mysterious plans about uh, you and the Tsar. And also your grandma who just wants you to go out there and find, find a wife. Uh, mechanically, it's um, an action RPG where uh, you get to... Um, interact with NPC, you get to uh, discover all sorts of stories and vignettes about um, the characters, and uh, through all that, uh, build a reputation uh, and um, progress your characters based on uh, the reputation you, you build and the choices you make. Yeah. Yeah, it's very Ultima when I saw that, because like, at the beginning of the, the old Ultima games, you can choose personalities and stuff but we'll talk about that later yeah. but yes that's pretty much spot on well done um i must confess i'm playing it on my apple tv because it's on uh, apple arcade yeah and uh the, the whoever's doing the curating of apple arcade needs a good sort of well a good pint of beer at least uh, um or a good handshake because they know what they're doing so it's an amazing collection of games of course yoga uh, sits very, very well within, uh, and deservedly so. Um, so that's what I've been playing it on. Cool. And uh, I've got a Nimbus com- controller, which is for the Apple TV. So it's it's kind of like an Xbox controller. It's like a half halfway house between an Xbox controller and the PS and the Nintendo Pro controller. So yeah, it's not a bad thing. Anyway, so it's fine. It look it works great. Just in case you're wondering. Um, so. Um, First detailed design question then, because I yeah. concur with your description of yoga. The lack of one arm for Ivan um, provides opportunity for him uh, to have exotic weapons and devices. What came first? The loss of his arm or the need to have different items for him? Um, that's an interesting question because the answer is not quite uh, clear cut. So, no, I would thought so. That's, that's, yeah. why I, that's why I created it. <laughs> the question is, so yeah, tell us what what really what is really going on. What I mean is technically he's disabled, which is lovely because he very rarely plays games with a disabled person on it. You know, um, but yeah, tell us how did this 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 come about really? Uh, so, from the start, we knew that uh, since the story is set in Slavic folklore, we we chose our character to be a blacksmith because uh, the idea of a blacksmith appears in uh, lots of different tales, and we wanted to have a combat system focused on uh, melee combat first, but also allow some ranged weapons. So, right from the start, we knew that the hammer was an important weapon, and we chose that... Uh, you would probably have to use the second uh, arm for some additional tools or traps or things like that. And uh, in parallel with this, as we researched different uh, stories for inspiration, one of them stuck with us, and it was about a blacksmith who loses uh, one of his arms. And we thought that that idea of 
of uh, a blacksmith who depends on his two arms for a living, uh, having one arm chopped off is uh, so interesting and so uh, novel that we had to have that in the game. So um, that that became a central piece for the character, and then it allowed us to go into very wild direction about okay how can we we marry these two ideas of having uh, secondary weapons with uh, the missing arm and um, at the beginning we we just said that uh, okay he can attach to his missing arm he could just attach a blade or a, a, a secondary hammer but uh, that that didn't feel like actually taking uh, too much advantage of the fact that he's missing an arm. So we tried to uh, mix it up. And I, I think the first uh, idea for uh, making it more interesting came from one of our sketches. Um, the One of our artists made an image where instead of his arm stump, Ivan had a broom attached to it. And that, uh, that really looked interesting and it was something that... Uh, popped up from the all of the different concepts and we said okay let's uh let's keep the chopped off arm but let's have anything that he attaches to that arm be an improvisation of something an improvised tool an improvised weapon not something that uh could just look like a dual wielding in a normal game yeah yeah I, I, that, that's what i kind of touched upon here because it, it's it gets really that's gonna say silly it does sometimes. <laughs> some of the stuff, some of the stuff is very funny, and it's like, uh, okay, I can see why he's doing that. <laughs> that that works, considering what's happening. Yeah, okay, that, that's I can go with that. Again, I'm not going to spoil anything, but it's some, something very, some interesting things get attached to that stump. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. So the <laughs> one one core aspect of the character is that a uh, lot of characters in in Slavic uh, folk tales are just characters that uh, they try to make do with what they have. So even if uh, they get into bad situations and they're down on their luck, they're not just going to quit or uh, go mop around. They're just going to say, okay, this is what I have. I'm going to try something to uh, try to do something with uh, what I have. And that's, uh, that's basically the idea that we pulled into Ivan as well. Uh, like, sure, he's missing an arm, but why, why not use that, um, that stump for something useful? Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, make, make do with what you've got. Don't mope about and think about what you could have. Yeah. Um, enjoy what you have. And it's a very, very um, profound philosophy to have. Next, this is not philosophy, it's a viewpoint. Anyway, um, next is, uh, this question I have is, uh, at its heart, Yaga is very much an adventure game, more than an arcade experience, in my personal opinion. How have you yeah. found maintaining the need to describe narrative over the need to challenge the player with respect to their skill? Um, difficult. <laughs> if I can say so. <laughs> so uh, it's it's been a challenge right from the start, uh, especially with the trajectory that uh, our game had, because at the beginning we wanted to make a roguelike, but as we we worked on it and as we were uh, we did more and more research into the source material, we realized that the the universe and the source material can be highlighted only by actually having uh, more narrative in it, and that uh, slowly shifted uh, our focus to to more narrative rather than 
mechanics and and dynamic systems so um and that was actually um was pretty difficult to balance because we we do want to have a player skill and uh, have uh, challenges and all of that but uh, also if we kept breaking the narrative it might become uh, tiring for players to to keep repeating the same bit of story over and over again so um yeah that that led us to to our current um, idea that the character doesn't actually die he just uh leaves the camp uh regains his strength and tries again yeah. <clears throat> i'm not sure if i'm answering the question at this no, moment no no you, but... you you it's 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 a, it's a little difficult to answer i grant you that but ultimately what I'm trying to say is that there is a lot of it's not an easy game and it's a challenging game and it's great because you could it's either that or becomes it can if you didn't go that way and i'm happy that you did make it a challenging experience because if you didn't then the actual effort would would reflect what ivan is going through and because it is an arduous tale i mean he is you know dumped upon without you know he didn't ask for any of this to happen to him but it just has happened to him and uh I think the difficulty in the, in the game is reflective of his his struggle. So I, I don't sort of criticise you in any way. I just found it fascinating. And ultimately, at its core, as I've already said, Yaga is an adventure game with a very, very strong narrative. But yeah. on, the, on the other hand, you've still got this extraordinary, well-developed and well-rounded arcade sort of, advent, arcade sort of experience with um, timing and combat and... Some of the weapons are very inventive to the point where you have to really know your timing about when to throw or when to actually have a melee attack, depending on what you're fighting. It's all, I mean, I haven't got into detail here because for fear, again, for spoiling content, which is always a struggle, especially with yeah. something like Yaga. But ultimately, in abstract terms, there's a lovely sort of like very early on when you throw your hammer and you realize that as it's coming back, it also does damage. That's a lovely little touch. Not everything does that. Most of the time you throw something, it just comes back and, you know, nothing happens when it comes back. But in this, it's like a boomerang. You throw it and it comes back. It still <laughs> it still hurts things when it does. Yeah, um, and you can actually use this to hurt uh, multiple enemies with the same shot. Exactly. And that's really, when you feel you're overwhelmed, you're actually not, if you know what you're doing. It, um, and uh, you just you know, and it's definitely it can be done where you can just not be touched during combat. It's if you if you're clever. Um, but yeah, I just uh, found it in, in, incredible. And I think the fact that you know you're role playing games, I think that's probably where that comes from. If I may say, we've all played some RPGs, bet some better than others, but the ones with a very strong combat system or skill system are the ones that stick with us. Uh, and they do balance the experience of narrative and storytelling alongside the modelling of chance. So, uh, yeah, well done. Yeah, uh, speaking of chance, yes. and while we're on the subject, it's um, um, it was a very interesting conflict between mechanics and narrative because mm -hmm. the narrative says that uh, Ivan has bad luck, and we tried to to build some mechanics around that and 
basically without uh, spoiling much from time to time bad luck strikes your character yes it and, does uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> it does <laughs> And uh, while that's, uh, that has a really cool uh, narrative explanation and it's sort of, um, it's something that we wanted to, to um, be part of the character and be part of the whole experience because if you're playing an unlucky blacksmith, you should feel like an unlucky blacksmith. That did uh, come to uh, bite us a bit because uh, whenever you're playing a game and something unlucky happens, usually it can be frustrating and you you blame the game for not being fair. But uh, that's actually part of the character, but at the same time, it shouldn't be a part of the player. So uh, that was a really, really tough line to, to cross. And uh, I think the biggest uh, comments we've had was around uh, that bad luck system. Yeah, well... As long as you buy into it, then it's fine. As long as you understand it and know it's likely to happen through no fault of your own, then that's okay. Um, the best example I can think of, or the most purest example of that, is um, the XCOM games. So you sort of like you're within two or three sort of like squares away from an enemy, and you're raising a gun at it, and yet it still says you've got seventy three percent chance of hitting it. And many argue, well, no, it's in three spaces away. How could I possibly miss? Like, well, you right. don't know. You don't know. Something could happen. The gun could jam. You could, you know, get distracted by something or anything could happen. That's the point. You know, and uh, granted, there's more likelihood that you're going to hit it, but there's still a chance that you won't. And similar yeah. with, with Yago, that's how you model it. There's a chance. Although you may do all the things right with all your fingers and thumbs and, and what have you. There's going to be a chance that just it may not go your way, and that's okay because considering Ivan's plight, because it has been thrust upon him, there's not a lot he can do about it. Because it's you yep. know, <laughs> that's his fate. <laughs> it's his fate, which he doesn't believe in, by the way. Um, <laughs> so, I guess mean, this flows on to my third question: the machinations of the witches in Yaga um, have an impact on his personality and traits and even abilities to a greater or lesser degree. Can you describe how this evolved and that what that kind of system that you developed, how how did that come about? And uh, was was it something always there? Just, just describe it for us. Right. Uh, so the the roots of this system were always there. So right from the start, we wanted uh, the choices you make through the little encounters to have an impact on where your character goes. So uh, if you keep being aggressive, you would get uh, aggressive upgrades and uh, people would uh, react to your aggressiveness. So that was there from the start. But uh, how we package it, that was a bit of a... Uh, it took lots of iterations to get where we are now and we're really pleased with uh, where we're now. At the beginning we so we always knew that uh, Baba Yaga is an important character because it's basically the most uh, well-known witch in the folklore so it would be uh, almost 
absurd to do a game based on Slavic folklore and not have Baba Yaga in it. And uh, I really liked how that character is, you never know uh, what she is. Is she good? Is she evil? Is she helping you? Is she not helping you? Well, you don't know in, in our game because it's ple- uh, pretty clear cut from the beginning. But uh, we wanted to have a bit of that mystery. And um, that's that's why the game is uh, takes after her name. And uh, knowing that she's the name of the game and... Um, we wanted the players to understand that. That brought us to the idea that she's watching you all the time and uh, she's right there uh, knowing what you're doing. So uh, we took this, these two systems, we blended them together and we decided that uh, the upgrades you get are actually uh, comments from from the the witches that uh, are Yaga's friends. Yes. Oh, they're, they're a coven, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> They, they, yes. Um, they said basically there. It's yeah. three fate witches uh, talking with uh, Baba Yaga about uh, what they know and see about the world. Yeah, of of which is a great deal. Apparently, you know, they're more than most. Um, yeah. To the point of manipul- manipulating it for fun. Yeah. For fun. <laughs> That's what they do on Saturday night. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I do love them. I think they're they're the um, they do chide a lot. They do like winding each other up. Uh, I find that they're not they're not they're not, they're not black and white. They're grey, like you say. Everyone is pretty much, apart from Ivan. He's he's got a heart of gold. He's just you know, poor man. <laughs> just trying to he's just trying to get some you know pins for his grandma. But no, no, no. Nope. Got to go through hell instead. <laughs> yeah. Right. Last question. Then. See, you made it. Well done. See, almost there. Cool. <laughs> Music is incredibly important in Yaga, I've found. Way more important than many other games. Not all of them. I mean, you think Thumper, that's kind of key. Music is integral um, to to that sucker and others. Um, But uh, I wasn't expecting Yaga to be so, so embroiled with with its, its, in love, if you will, or entwined with its own score. Quite incredible. Um... I just want to ask, not why this happened, because I know why it happened. It's obvious why it happened. But how have you found integrating the the musical score so closely with the on-screen action? Um, The integration came about uh, almost naturally because uh, once we decided um, on the the artist that we wanted to to have in the game uh, so they they have this unique blend of music uh, so first of all the artists are Subkarpats and Argatu they're um, two Romanian uh, music creators, composers and they do this mix between uh, old folkloric music and uh, modern hip-hop beats and uh, right from the start we had this idea that uh, their kind of music would go great with the game because uh, the folkloric aspects really blend well with the visuals and the story beats but the modern aspects of the music make it more friendly to a to a modern audience so uh, basically from the start they were uh, thought as a package the music and the game and uh, the integration was, uh, as I said, it came about naturally because we knew that we had um, 
different tracks. We wanted to highlight different feelings and uh, they would fit different environments uh, and uh, combat situations. And actually what we have in the game is less than what we would have uh, liked to, to do. Uh, one of our inspirations for music mixing and blending are the Zelda games, where Nintendo always does such a great job of uh, blending different uh, instruments with different tempos and different uh, music tracks together based on what you're doing. And we have a very, very, very simplified uh, system for that. It's just uh, like the environment music, which depends on the region you're in and the quest you're currently at, and the combat music, and we try to blend nicely between the two of those. So I think if the, the music weren't so well made, uh, the simplicity of the system would be much more apparent than than it is. Yeah, I get that. There's a little bit of smoke and mirrors going on. I, I'm fully aware of that. But when you have a good musician that understands more than just a four chords <laughs> and then b the understanding of the composition and orchestration, yeah. orchestration people don't really appreciate at all. Um, those two things. Um, then it it, it, it it belies something that you you think something more is going on to the point where wait am I, is it interacting with me as I'm hitting things like no but you, you it's amazing that you think that so keep thinking that yeah exactly yeah because that's how I feel that's how I feel it just it encourages me to go on and forge for because you know I've said it on the show before about super hexagon. There's a there's a game you only you, know, you listen to the first thirty seconds of the of the track over and over again <laughs> because that's that's what you hear uh, line yeah whatever um, but um, uh, for 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 me it's uh, I'm I'm a big explorer in video games so that's not my only thing I do like you know reaching high scores as well that kind of thing but ultimately I'm a massive explorer so for me. Um, Yago does all of that and more, not only visually but, um, but also all, um, in regards to audio as well. Um, so thank you for that and your collaborators. It's uh, it's quite a, an ear opener, if you, will, if you want a better phrase. I'm glad to hear that. So, Yago uh, by Breadcrumbs Interactive, which by the way is a great name. Where's it come from? Is it? Is it is it mean something? I'd love to I'd love to ask developers about the names of their studios. So where does it come from? Uh, it actually comes from fairy tales because uh, you I'm sure you know uh, Hansel and Gretel and yes, they yes. they leave the trail of breadcrumbs so they can find their way home. But uh, crows come, eat it, and they get lost. And uh, basically, we we were inspired by that. And our motto is. Um, to to help you get lost in in our world in the world of our games. Uh, so uh, yeah, the, the idea is to use a trail of breadcrumbs to lead you in our games and then uh, help you get lost in there and uh, hopefully find something new. Yeah, it's that ball of twine in the labyrinth where before you get mullered by the minotaur. All of that. <laughs> Sorry, classical reference as well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, I don't know what I'm about that. But yeah, I, I kind of like that story. It's a bit weird. Um, but yeah, uh, Hansel and Gretel, uh, fantastic response. It's, I, I, I've got some all sorts of interesting responses to that question. Some of it's, I don't know, 
sounded good at the time. Uh, that's not true. Um, most of them have come up with lovely poetic reasons as you've just given, so thanks. So, anyway, as I say, Nyaga is out now. Now, make sure I get the platforms right. So, I did check this. It's on Windows PC. Yeah. Um, PS4. Uh, yep. Xbox One. Uh, Nintendo Switch. Yep. And, as I've already revealed, Apple Arcade. That's correct. Yeah. Um, now, uh, Apple Arcade, of course, that means it's on iOS devices and Macintoshes as well. Um, it works quite well on my, lap- my laptop, which is a Mac. Because, you know, the, the, the reason I've got a, a Mac laptop because they can they just keep going. <laughs> just keep going. They're just, they're, they're just immortal things. They're just, they just keep going. Anyway. Right. Well, Kathleen, it's been fantastic having you on. Thanks. Um, it's been great being here. Yeah, I've really enjoyed uh, our chat and uh, revealed a great deal about Yago. And uh, now I know even more about it. So uh, thank you very much for that. You're more than welcome to come back on. We have had uh, return guests on the show because you've been going for that long. Awesome. Uh, uh, but it does mean you don't go after the first three questions again because that's that would be weird. Um, what we normally do is we just say, listeners, be referred to episode such and such. <laughs> if you want to hear those three, we're, we're just going to talk about question five about what you're playing and then we move on. But th- that's happened. Uh, we've had a lot of return guests. So, again, you're more than welcome to come back. Let's chat about whatever you're working on now. Who knows what that is? Uh, it's in the cooking in your head or heads, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> sure, I would be glad to share more in, in the future. In the future, but in the meantime, thank you very much. Thank you.